0: DJ PK and Ben Golliver joining us, national NBA writer for the Washington Post and author of Bubble Ball. Ben, good morning.
1: Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good.
0: So I'm, uh, I'm intrigued. You're writing a book very quickly after something happened, and sometimes you want more perspective than that, but then I guess there's the advantage of fresh details. There was a lot of reporting on this at the time. Given a few more weeks and a few more months to dig stuff up, are you able to tell us stuff that we didn't know, stuff that's come to light
1: Well, I was in the bubble for 93 days, and so I wanted to take you in there with me. So this isn't about going to try to find some alternate source of everything. I mean, I want to take you right there. And so for me, it was an all-in experience. Um, It was incredibly challenging, and I think it was covered thoroughly and rightfully so. But I think you'll be amazed as you're looking back how many of the things slipped between the cracks. And this isn't just really a basketball story. I mean, it's a public health story. I mean, it's an NBA history story. I think it's also a social justice and political story, and then uh, on top of all of that, you have the business story where the NBA is, you know, facing in you know, a potential billions in losses and trying to fill in the gaps. And so, I think there's a lot going on. For me, this is kind of my memoir from the shutdown until the championship uh, celebration when LeBron sprayed me with champagne. And there's an awful lot in there, and I think there's a bunch of stuff that people haven't heard.
2: So there was a lot of things that went on last year inside the bubble. And at that point, sports, we'd had some sports, golf, baseball was about to start up. How was how important was it just for uh, the progression of the country that the bubble actually came off the way it did?
1: I think it was a major turning point. Look, we were all coming out of the pandemic at that point, or I guess two or three months into it, thinking like, will this thing ever end? Our government body is going to be loosening things up? You know, what's the right way for businesses to get back to work and bring employees back? I mean, These were major ethical questions and we kind of needed some hope for, for the sporting environment to be like, Hey, we're not going to just be shut down here for a year. I mean, I remember going in the bubble thinking, you know, if this doesn't work, it could be what, you know, six months, nine months, 12 months for this uh, thing shakes out. So I guess for me, When I look back on it, uh, it's remarkable how well it worked. The rules were so strict. We had four levels of security out there. We had to wear proximity alarms around our necks to make sure that we weren't too close to each other. We had electronic, uh, you know, bracelets, essentially, to get into our rooms that tracked us around the campus. I mean, all sorts of different things to make sure that the rules were upheld. Of course, we had to wear masks the entire time we were there. And I think if you put all those things together, it made for a strict environment, and it made for a stable environment from a basketball standpoint And that's really what mattered. They were able to play the games, crown a champion. And I think that was really the legacy of the bubble was the was the great success of having these incredible players on the court uh, playing steady, fascinating basketball, including Utah Jazz versus Denver Nuggets in an unforgettable first round series. I mean, to me, those are the things that I look back on and I, I point to the rules and say the rules made those things happen.
0: So unique problems brought on unique solutions, but how many of them were a one-time deal and how many things that happened in the bubble does the NBA embrace going forward? And we see embedded in the game, you know, five years down the road.
1: Well, yeah, I think the solutions were so thorough in some cases, they turned people off, right? I mean, the life was so hard there in the bubble in terms of just what we were dealing with on a daily basis, kind of the big brother aspect. And then also the isolation aspect now, when it came time to choose for this season, you know, they went the other way on a lot of these things, right? They didn't want people to go back to a bubble. You know, three months was plenty for all the players. And also from a financial standpoint, I think the owner said, look, like, it was great that we were able to put these games on television, but there's a lot of other revenue streams out there, you know, potentially fans and stands, even if it's at a, a smaller number, trying to get the revenue, the um, you know, the memorabilia numbers back up if you're bringing people into your building. And so there, there was a real push, I think, to um, – almost treat the bubble as a, a once-in-a-lifetime experience if they could. And, you know, I think that, you know, there's there's pros and cons to that. I mean, in the bubble, we had very stable gameplay. The lineups, you know, you saw guys out there almost every single night. Um, and, and the challenging part was, okay, well, you're away from your family and your kids. I think on the flip side, um, this season, we've seen total instability, especially in, in January where we have lots of positive tests. You have guys in and out of the lineups. You have these contact tracing absences where guys are missing teams, but uh, are, sorry, missing games, but they're not even necessarily sick. And, you know, it kind of creates this disrupted schedule. Um, you know, I think that ultimately as we get through this vaccine process, you know, the NBA strategy here of not going back to a bubble, it looks okay because, you know, we've had way fewer positive tests over the last month and a half. As you're heading into the playoffs, you're seeing guys uh, get back healthy on the court and, you know, uh, have more time with each other, kind of build up chemistry and camaraderie on the court. And so I think, you know, it's going to kind of be a best of of both worlds where you're able to have the players out there most of the time and you're able to have fans and stands. That's kind of what people would want. But I don't think there was a lot of motivation to do it again. I think it was so hard and so many sacrifices from all the different parties that nobody necessarily wanted, uh, you know, kind of a bubble part two.
2: You think the basketball itself was better?
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think the quality of play this year has been way low uh, compared to the bubble in part because of the – the injury absences and the, the health and safety absences and also the travel. Look, that was the best part about the bubble was I didn't have to go anywhere. Look, I went to every single playoff game from the second round on. I didn't miss a single one because they were all in the same place. I could get to them really easily. The referees loved the no travel. The players love the no travel. Um, you know, even if you're in a situation where just like you're down 2-0, right, and like you've got to have that long flight to the other city because you got to think about it. I mean, that didn't exist you know, within a playoff series, you could kind of just refocus after every game. And so, um, you know, to me, I think that made for a much steadier product. The shooters got adjusted to these gyms. Um, you know, you saw, you know, some really incredible scoring performances, Donovan Mitchell, uh, Jamal Murray, you know, G- uh, Jimmy Butler with the Miami Heat, Anthony Davis. I mean, some of these guys got into incredible grooves in the postseason. And I attribute that to just the, the single site location. I mean, I came away from it hoping like someday in the distant future, they kind of do what the Super Bowl does and go to one really fun market and just stay there for a couple of weeks and have like a, a two week long party where you've got this, uh, this single site NBA finals. You know, maybe it's London, maybe it's Miami, whatever it might be. And, and and kind of turn that into a celebration of the sport. I'm not sure they're ever going to do it. But, you know, for this one time experiment, it worked out great.
0: So one playoff, uh, one season of playoffs can kind of inform the next. The Lakers are the defending champs, courtesy of the bubble. Uh, When you look at this year, whether it's – there's so many health questions going in this playoff, but how do you look at this playoffs based on what you saw a year ago? Jamal Murray's hurt, so he won't do those 50-point games. Is Donovan Mitchell likely to with his uh, confidence that he got from last year's playoffs? What do you think?
1: Well, I look at this season kind of as the bubble hangover, right? I mean, you look at all the teams that went deep, whether it's the Lakers, the Heat, the Celtics, the Nuggets. I mean, all those teams have had some challenges this year as they pull themselves together, either from a health standpoint or from just a a fatigue and overloaded work standpoint. And so what I think that does, it opens up the field wide. Now, usually I would say, hey, there's three or four teams in a given year that have a chance to win the title. I think this year it's up to like eight or nine. I mean, this is one of the most wide-open years I can remember. Now, that may narrow if some of these stars come back and and they're completely healthy, right? You look at a guy like James Harden. He's a massive X factor in that Eastern Conference. If he's back and fully healthy, the whole landscape uh, changes. But I think that's really the story heading into these playoffs. It's kind of anybody's bet. You've got a bunch of new blood, whether it's the Utah Jazz, the Phoenix Suns. You can go right down the list of these teams that are going to be in the mix and that maybe weren't true title contenders in years past, I think that's going to make it more fun, more entertaining, more exciting, and certainly it's more unpredictable. I mean, this is the, the hardest year to pick a champion we've had in a while.
2: How about to pick an MVP? Is it Jokic in your mind?
1: Yeah, that one's done. I mean, that's that's open and shut as easy as it gets. I mean, he's earned it from the consistency factor, and it's just been complete brilliance. He's been so good, I think we actually have to open it up and ask, you know, is he in the conversation as just like best basketball player, period, right? Mm-hmm. And that title is going to be open here because of LeBron's injury and and just him missing time this year. That title's been LeBron's for an awful long time. Guys like Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, Giannis, Steph Curry, they're always kind of in the mix to to wear the crown, to sit on the throne. But I actually think Jokic deserves some love, too. He is so good at making his teammates better, putting them in position to succeed. He's become an unbelievable scoring threat, even though he's kind of a pass-first player. He's got that beautiful jump shot, turnaround, um, you know, silky shot can step out and hit the three-pointer now he's got every post move you could possibly want and he's the best passing center ever I mean period and I think that he's moved past guys like Arvita Sabonis and Bill Walton in terms of the types of passes he can make how he can read defenses and how he can bring the ball up the court I think it's open and shut for him for MVP and I think he's even potentially headed for bigger things what I love about him he's super clutch like you get him into the playoffs he takes his game up a notch he doesn't shrink from the moment we saw that last year against the Clippers in the second round, and you know, I'm expecting that to see that again this year. You know If they face the Lakers, say, in the first round and the, the Lakers are all banged up, I, I would not count out Jokic. Just because Murray's injured, you know, don't, don't say, oh, that team is done. I mean, they've still got a lot of talent left, and it starts with the big guy.
0: So last thing before we let you go, the question in every market is, can our team do it? Can they win it all in what you just labeled this wide-open season? Can the Jazz do it? And if not, who takes them down?
1: Of course, they can do it. Yes, I mean you look at uh, their resume this year. I mean they've been not only best record but most dominant. You know, you look at the point differential stuff, which is often an indicator of which teams are going to go deep in the playoffs in terms of how much are you winning each game by. And they have been, you know, smoking everybody in, the, in that statistic. And you know they've had a number of big time double digit victories, blowout wins. And again, that just speaks to the, the ceiling on their offense. It's been unbelievable to watch them move the ball hit the three-point shot, play unselfishly, and play disciplined. It reminds me a little bit of the 2014 Spurs. And, you know, I I think that's, uh, you know, probably their model, their hope is that they're going to be a team that kind of uh, is one of those, you know, five fingers makes a fist type teams where they're, they're, uh, you know, they're better than the sum of their parts. Um, but a lot of teams are going to be able to, you know, go heads up against them. Look, the Lakers and Clippers have positional matchups with the the forward positions. I know the Jazz have had dogfights with the Sun. Seems like every time they play this year, so I don't think it's going to be anyone coasting through this Western Conference. It's going to be an absolute bloodbath. But the Jazz have to be in the mix, and if the Lakers aren't healthy, you could even potentially talk me into saying, you know, the Jazz are the favorites to come out of the West. And Right now, the clock is ticking big time on LeBron and Anthony Davis in terms of getting them healthy and up to speed. And so, you know, if, if the Jazz aren't the favorites to me in the West, they're right there.
0: Ben, we appreciate the time. Good luck with the book. Author of Bubble Ball, national NBA writer for The Washington Post, Ben Goliver joining us. Thanks, Ben.
1: All right, thank you. All
0: right, DJ and PK, there is a uh, a lot of basketball from Ben Goliver there very quickly. PK, we were talking earlier this morning it's usually, in our mind, two or three teams with a shot at the NBA title. He was a little a little uh, looser with that, saying three or four. And I had two numbers in mind, conservative and uh, a little more wide open. And you hit the conservative number at five. The other number I had in mind was eight. And he pushed it out to nine. That just seems no. like way too many.
2: Uh, I would agree with that. I mean, I don't know who his nine is, although we could probably guess, obviously. Right. Pretty much name them all. That would be great for the league if that was legitimate. Now, ultimately, we're going to say, well, there was really only two because it's going to be the two who play each other. Uh, so, and I think he's an endorser of the league a little bit. So, uh, you know, he makes his living that way. I'm not questioning his integrity at all. If he believes that, so so be it. It's his, his opinion. Uh, but nine, that would be awesome if every year we went into October with that many teams, almost almost a third of the teams, it just I haven't seen it. It's too individually oriented because of just the numbers involved. But it would be great for the league because then that really the thing that's most important that takes a knock, this league I think gets a knock on it more than any other league, is market size seems to matter and market glamour seems to matter. Not entirely because the Knicks have sucked for so many years. They're making a little comeback this year, and nothing is bigger than New York. We understand that, but if you really could have it to where you know the the equivalent of Green Bay in the NBA can be a legitimate contender if you do things the right way, that would I would love that for the
1: league.
0: It would be cool. It doesn't seem likely the best right. players are so important and they are so good that and especially now that they're working together in groups of two or three, it just doesn't seem like, you know, the, the, the 20th player there's such a gap between the, the top two or three players and players 18, 20 and 22. There just can't be that many things. I think he had two well, two things, obviously, because that's my favorite number. Uh, what he said about the hangover from the four teams that got to the conference finals, their short off season I hadn't really considered that. You know, is that what brought down the heat And that? I think where it overlaps is we're seeing more stars injured this year. I don't think the number of injuries is that big a deal, but who it's happening to, that to me is a surprising thing. It is all stars. Oh, it's high-level players.
2: Yeah. Okay, but is it Donovan Mitchell turned his ankle because he played in the bubble? No,
0: I don't buy. I don't attach it to the bubble. I'm saying it's wide open this year because stars are hurt. The three teams that we would normally go to that have the championship a typical championship profile, Durant's been hurt, Harden's okay, hurt, but Kawhi is in and out of the lineup. LeBron but, but, but and Kawhi's AD been, are hurt.
2: It, Kawhi's been in and out of the lineup forever. It seems it does. I mean, he took a whole season off in San essentially. Antonio. Yep. Yeah, and uh, you know he he would he play in fifty some games in the full season with Toronto. So I mean, that's who he is. And LeBron is thirty six years old, so it's going to take a little longer to come back. And Anthony Davis is, has injury issues. So really, is it that unusual and ham, hamstring for Conley? Well, this has been something that's been going on.
0: I think it's opening up the playoffs. I think the injuries are the biggest reason that Potentially we're Potentially opening up. Right. It appears to be open now. And I, you're right, we'll be down to two teams, but if there's a lot of six- and seven-game series along the way, it'll feel like there really were all these teams with a shot. If teams get knocked out in four or even that gentleman's sweep five-game deal, then it's not going to feel like they were legit contenders. And one well, of them, the Lakers, with these injuries, I mean, they could be in the play-in series and be knocked out.
2: I would disagree in that if it's the five seed, the four seed, the six seed, even if it's a five game series, if we get from the West, the four or five or six seed making the final, then it was open irregardless of how long this individual series is, uh, have, whatever, how long they were lasted. And I, I just don't see there's any way in the East that that could happen. I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe Miami could catch lightning in a bottle again. I, I don't even know what place they're in. I'd have to double-check it. I think uh, six or seven. Yeah, right. They're way and, down. Right, exactly. Which so makes their that,
0: playoff path brutal.
2: It, it does, yeah. So it's that's why I don't really see it in the East. I see it more in the West because I believe more in the quality of the teams, which is obviously a no-brainer anyway.
0: Miami's seventh on a tiebreaker with Boston. Both teams are thirty-five and thirty-one, tied for sixth and seventh right now. So that's a that's a rough draw right there. You might have to beat the Bucks, Nets, and Sixers in three yeah, consecutive yeah, yeah. series.
2: So I would look to see what seeds because if we have lower seeds getting to the finals, then it was more open than we thought.
0: DJ PK, it's ninety-seven-five at twelve eighty. The Zone. All right, you've been working on it, PK. Set the table again. We got Jazz tickets to give away in the next segment, and we're gonna do it. It's for tonight's game with the Jazz and the Nuggets.
2: Well, in order to win a title, players and coaches and everybody in an organization has to make some level of sacrifice, whether it's your own personal time, if you're a player, uh, for the good of the team, whatever it might be. So we as the fans, we need to start making some sacrifices because we're just a couple of weeks away from the playoffs. So what are your sacrifices going to be to help the Jazz win the title because it's legit it's real this season
0: call 855-340-ZONE during the break we'll get you lined up or use the open mic grab your phone use our app Use the open mic feature and send us your take, and we will give those tickets away next. Mother's Day is Sunday. Get the best blanket ever. That's also the best gift ever for Mother's Day with Minky Couture. Sandy and her staff do it again for the listeners. Get it right on Mother's Day with their help. They'll give you 50% off now when you mention Zone 50 at a store near you or online at MinkyCouture.com. That's promo code ZONE50. That's Minky Couture for Mother's Day.